Hello. So, we're continuing on, guys, in uh, Exodus chapter 28. Did anyone not get, that needs one, the Ark of the Covenant or the Tabernacle? Did you guys, you guys are good? Did you guys get one of these? Jason? Did you, you guys got these? Okay, cool. Got it. Cool. All right, Exodus chapter 28, and uh, before we even start chapter 28, I just kind of want to take a look at the office or the position of the priest. And uh, remember, we focused a lot on the tabernacle, and we looked at that, and we saw the videos, and we looked at the scripture, and now it switches attention here to the priest, what they did, why they, what their purpose was, what they wore. Um, so we're going to look at the position of a priest. And what we're looking at here is a hereditary priesthood. And so the descendants of Aaron, they all came from the tribe of Levi. They were the designated priests. And now there were benefits with having a hereditary priesthood. Number one, the priests were not given political or military power. Okay, they, they were there to serve the people and help the community draw closer to God. And number two, being a hereditary institution was thought to limit corruption in the religious leadership, meaning no one could buy or force their way into the priesthood. It's not like the mob, we go, here's some money, okay, can I get that, can I get that status? No. Number three, the people didn't have to be elected or re-elected, like they didn't have to worry about popularity. Uh, before Moses, Abraham acted as a priest. We know that from Genesis uh, 15, 7 to 19. And at this point and on, the carrying out of the sacrifices shifted to Aaron, his sons, and their descendants. So what were the role of priests? Well, see, the welfare of Israel depended on both Moses and Aaron, both important. Moses was the man of God, the, the prophet, the one who relayed God's word to the people, right? And we've seen that. That's what he does. That's what, that's what his job is, is that's to the Lord. Aaron served as a priest, the leader responsible for helping people connect individually to God. And both were important to help the Israelites. So the priest had four main jobs or, or functions. Number one, the priest dedicated himself to holy living by helping the Jews offer sacrifices, right? Other jobs priests had were bless a blessing the people with a priestly benediction. We know that from Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-two to twenty-six. Uh, redeeming the firstborn son, blowing trumpets to gather the people, whether during festivals or during wartime. So the priest number two, the priest treated physical ailments like diseases. And plagues, like these ailments, were thought to be caused by uh, physiological phenomenon and or spiritual imperfections. Number 12, Miriam was afflicted with a skin disease for uh, speaking bad about her brother, Moses. Number three, the priest judged disputes and instructed the people in the laws of the Torah. And number four, the high priest used objects, the Urim and Thummim, to get an answer from God. So some laws were specifically designated for priests. Like priests were not allowed to have contact with dead bodies, right? The priests were to be really concerned about, about sanctifying life, not worrying about those who died. And the opposite of that is kind of like the Egyptians. Egyptians' religious leaders, they did... The opposite, they focused much attention on the dead, 
right? More attention on the dead than actually on the living. Also, priests had to wash their hands and feet prior to entering the temple or approaching the altar. Very, cleanliness was very important. They also, which we're going to see, had to dress in a manner that reflected sanctity. And see, a priest could not marry a woman that was a harlot or had been divorced. Priests were to serve as role models of holiness. So when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the priests lost their former role, and the priesthood kind of became symbolic, and that's a different story. But as we know from the Hebrews, Jesus is our, or from the book of Hebrews, Jesus is our high priest, right? He's our high priest, and we are ambassadors for the gospel. So the priesthood, it was a male institution, so it would not or could not be sexualized. You know, there weren't a bunch of priests and priestesses serving together. And this is why the word commands the priest to, to wear even modest clothing. Priests were to be seen solely as vehicles to holiness. So the surrounding pagan religions, they had priests and priestesses and, pra- you know, and practiced uh, polytheism. It was very uh, lewd and perverted and bad. And again, this didn't diminish the status of the woman, only having a male priesthood. In Genesis, Eve is described as a, help, a helper equal to or comparable to Adam. So this entire chapter, though, has to do with priestly clothing, which was highly important, and the priests had a dress code. That's kind of the main thing. The priests had a dress code. The first thing God made for Adam and Eve were garments, if you know. You know, were something to cover up because they were ashamed because they sinned. God has his kids make yeah, make fire. I mean, you just think about it. Think about the biblical uh, record. You know, God has the kids make fire, discover agriculture, all other aspects of culture and civilization. They had, a, you know, humans had to do a lot on their own, but He gave them clothing. <laughs> so God, in giving them coverings, consecrated human beings for a holier purpose. And the priests' garments also inspired respect. And the people would see the priests, and it would like, cause them to respect the priests and, and reverence God. It would hopefully make them think of God. That's, why, that's the purpose of it. And uh, so let's take a look at these priestly clothes. Again, priests had a dress code. So we're going to see in chapter 28 are the details concerning the priests that were to minister in the holy place. And again, priests were servants of the Lord, and they were there for the people. And so here's the thing. So I have a, like a, a video, seven-minute video that actually reads the scripture. So it's going to read it for me. But we're going to go back after we watch it. And you see the visual of the priests and what they wore. And it describes, you know, what they are, the whole, all the clothing, all the different aspects of it. And uh, after they read it and you watch this thing, then I'll come back up here and we'll talk about the verses. So we'll play the video now and then talk after. And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and of purple, of scarlet and fine twined linen with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, 
and so it shall be joined together. And the curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it shall be of the same, according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. And thou shalt take two onyx stones, and grave on them the names of the children of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the other six names of the rest on the other stone, according to their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set in ouches of gold. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. And thou shalt make ouches of gold and two chains of pure gold at the ends. Of wreathen work shalt thou make them, and fasten the wreathen chains to the ouches. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod thou shalt make it, of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be, being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings of gold, and shalt put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And thou shalt put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains thou shalt fasten in the two ouches, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And thou shalt make two rings of gold, and thou shalt put them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof, which is in the side of the ephod inward, and two other rings of gold thou shalt make, and shalt put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath, toward the forepart thereof, over against the other coupling thereof, above the curious girdle of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof, unto the rings of the ephod, with a lace of blue, that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod, and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there shall be an hole in the top of it in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of an haberdion, that it be not rent. 
and beneath upon the hem of it thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet round about the hem thereof, and bells of gold between them round about, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, Holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. And thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, and thou shalt make the mitre of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shalt anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness, from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. Well, I just thought that visual with all, there's a lot of details. I thought the visual with the details would help a lot. So let's, let's pray and then we'll talk about this. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all the details with even the priestly garments, Lord. Speak of you, Jesus, and just, we just pray that you'd be with us as we have uh, this conversation now from your word, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So he read it for us already, so I'm not going to reread it because his voice sounds a lot better. Just something about an accent sounds better. Um, But verse 1 and 2, so what the garment was for. So Aaron had humbly served as a prophet to his young brother, young brother Moses, Exodus 7.1. He was chosen by God to be a priest, right? And God chose Aaron for his function or his calling. Hebrews 5.4 says, no man takes this honor unto himself. Right, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So it's not like, I'm going to be a priest, because no one else is doing it, but it was a calling. And remember, too, God told Israel they were to be a kingdom of priests in Exodus 19.6. So God chose to have the priestly line inherited by birthright, and you had to be born into the priestly family like we looked at. First Peter 2.5 says, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the priesthood was not the place or position to make a name for oneself, right? It, it had nothing to do with being seen 
or gaining status or accelerating towards ambition. Now, this is what they came to be in Jesus's day, first century stuff, but it was about living to serve God and to have one's life be a constant offering to the Lord and to be there for the people, right? It's kind of like the first two most important commandments Jesus tells us about. Love God, love your neighbor. Like those are the first two, all the other laws hang on those. And But you fast forward under the new covenant, we are all priests because of our new birth into Jesus' priestly family. And so let me just, if we can get the picture of the priest's garments. So the priests wore beautiful garments, the, the best materials, and the priestly service was spiritual. It was a great honor. And it was, hev- it was like heavenly. The, the, the robes weren't flashy, yet they were, they were quality. They were still beautiful. They, they weren't to draw attention to themselves. They were to honor God with what they wore. And you go on in verse 3 and 4. Here we learn that was made of who, um, who was appointed to make it, the craftsmen. The craftsmen were the ones who made these things, right? They were promised and given the Holy Spirit to, to make these robes, to specification. And this is a picture of the fact that those who truly serve the Lord are led by the Holy Spirit. It was in Egypt, which this is mind-blowing right here, right? This is how we always talk about the past isn't wasted, God uses it presently, and this is kind of that. It was in Egypt all those years that the people learned these different trades, you know, and then they were freed from Moses, and then they were able to use what they learned, these trades, in order to honor God and worship God. It's pretty amazing. God taught them in bondage so they could use the skills in freedom to take part in spiritual priestly duties. It's pretty amazing. And it's like you look at these things and it's like there's people behind the scenes making these. And that's why I always appreciate and always love those who serve the Lord behind the scenes. You never see them. You might not even know them. But they're, they're making like the videos work, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're just doing different things. They're cleaning up after service. You might not even know them. They're working behind the scenes, but still that's just as honoring to God as preaching the word or praying for someone. So I love what it says here that in verse three and four, it says that he may minister to me. Priests have their first ministry to God. They minister to God first. He's priority. So now we see a list of these priestly garments, which he read in verse five to 14, and uh, the ephod, if we can show the ephod. Uh, so the ephod was made of fine linen. So linen ephods were worn by, uh, by newer priests. And Samuel was one, uh, he was a newer priest when he was a kid, right? David wore one when he danced before the Lord, right? The linen garment. The high priest would wear a golden ephod. God was woven into, uh, or gold was woven into uh, the ephod as well. Right? It was a short like, coat without sleeves, buttoned like you guys saw. The shoulder pieces were buttoned together and stones set in gold on each shoulder. Engraved, there were the names of the children of Israel. Um, do we have a picture of that? I don't know if I actually got that. Names of the children of Israel. I might not have gotten that. I think I did. But let's go to the breastplate. The breastplate. And so this piece was attached to the ephod with gold chains. And it was made with thread of various colors, gold, blue, purple, scarlet. And there were two stones on the breastplate, so God's judgment could be made known. And this is why the breastplate was called the breastplate of judgment, right? What was cool was there were four rows of three gemstones, and 
in them with, with the names of the 12 tribes inscribed on it. And this was a picture of the high priest bearing the names of the sons of Israel over his heart. Symbolically, the high priest served the people, having them on his shoulders. Right? He must also have a heart for and love for the people, meaning bear them on his heart. So the priests were to simply have a heart for God and a heart for the people and a heart for ministry. So the ephod was a garment of service. The breastplate was a garment of judgment. So if a priest was to minister unto God, they must, number one, do his will, and number two, know his doctrine, right? Do his will and know his doctrine. And so though the people were forbidden to come near and obliged to keep their distance, yet by the high priest who had their names on his breastplate, they entered into the holiest, right? So believers, even while they are here on this earth, not only enter into the holiest, but by faith are made to sit with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. The name of each tribe was engraven uh, you know, in the precious stone to signify how precious in God's sight believers are and how, how honorable. Isaiah 43.4. How small and, and, and poor, you know, the, no matter how small or poor the tribe was, it was a precious stone in the breastplate of the high priest Thus are all the saints dear to Christ, one commentator said. And his delight is in them as the excellent ones of the earth, however men may esteem them as earthen pitchers. <laughs> Lamentations 4.2. Um, and so let me just read this, this kind of lengthy quote to you, really. It's descriptive and it's good. The high priest, it says, the high priest had the names of the tribes both on his shoulders and, and on his uh, breast, intimating both the power and the love with which our Lord Jesus intercedes for those that are his. He not only bears them up on his heart, as the expression here, he carries them uh, on his bosom, right, with the most tender affection. He says, how near should Christ's name be to our hearts, since he is pleased to lay our names so near his. And what a comfort it is to us in all our addresses to God that the great high priest of our profession has the names of all his Israel upon his breast before the Lord for a memorial, presenting them to God as the people of his choice who were to be made accepted in the beloved. Let not any good Christians fear that God has forgotten them, nor question his being mindful of them upon all occasions, when they are not only engraven upon the palms of his hands, but engraven upon the heart of the great intercessor. intercessor. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, it's pretty amazing, that picture. And the Urim and the Thummim, they were put in the breastplate, which is therefore called the breastplate of judgment. And Urim and Thummim signify light and integrity. That's what they mean, light and integrity. And many conjecture, like there were um, among the learned, that they, they basically, this is how... Um, let me, just read, let me just read you what I got here. We have no reason to think they were anything that Moses was to make more than what was ordered, so that either God made them himself and gave them to Moses for him to put into the breastplate when other things were prepared, or no more is meant than a declaration of the further use of what has already ordered to be made. I think the words may be read thus, and thou shalt give or add or deliver to the breastplate of judgment the illuminations and perfections, and they shall be upon the heart of Aaron. That is, he shall be in, endued with the power of knowing and making known the mind of God in all the difficult, doubtful cases related either to the civil or ecclesiastical state of the nation. Because their, their government was a theocracy. 
So it's, it's interesting. Uh, let's go on. Verse 31 to 35, we see the robe. If we could show a picture of the robe. The robe was a basic covering for the priest made of blue, right? It's a blue on there. And on the hem were bells so the priest could be, could be heard while ministering before the Lord. And this is kind of the intense part. If the priest was to die, the bells would stop ringing and he could be pulled out of the most holy place with a rope that was either tied around his ankle or his wrist. And so um, it was a powerful, reverential like place, right? It was a holy of holy. And so it was the most holy place, the holy of holies. And so these bells, if they stopped ringing, there was trouble. And so, uh, and it just shows you the seriousness and, of God that we should revere Him, that we should respect Him, that we should adore Him. That's not just like, oh God, haha, yeah, whatever. But it's like there's a seriousness when it comes to the things of God. But the sounds of the bells kept uh, the priest serious and sober and reverent because he heard them <laughs> and he knew what they were for, right? Because it was a reminder of the power of God. And that he could just be taken out. Like, he's got to follow God 100%, you know? The bells help trace the movement of the priest inside the holy place. And this is how those outside could hear if the offer was accepted or not. So the, the pomegranates, they were symbols of fruitfulness and embroidered on the, on the fabric. We saw that. And then we see the turban, verse 36 to 38, the turban. The turban was woven linen, and on it was a gold plate with the inscription, Holiness to the Lord. Right? And this was a clear indicator that the priest was there to serve God, not man. Right? And that's, what, that's why we're here on this earth. Like We're here to serve God. And so God accepted the gifts and the sacrifices Aaron and the other priests brought before the Lord. Even though they were, they were touched, it is thought they were touched with iniquity, iniquity. And holiness is essential, though, for anyone who appears before the Lord. And we know that holiness means set apart. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So we need to be set apart. Like Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. The world. Praise God, right? We're not of the world. The world is totally opposite of what we believe. Everything that, that the Lord says, the, the world most likely is the opposite of that. And we know that. And so praise God, we're set apart or holy doesn't mean holier than now. Some people are like, oh, you're so holy. You're holier than now. You think you're great. We don't think, being a Christian, you know you're not the greatest. You know you're the worst. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the world has it backwards because they think you think you're better than everyone because you're so holy. But holy simply means not perfect, but it means set apart for the Lord, right? We're living actually for a higher purpose, not for the earth, but for the eternal. And so when we live for the eternal, we're going to be effective on the earth. So there's the tunic, the turban, and the sash. And these three garments were woven of fine linen. And the last few verses, verse 40 to 43, uh, we see the garments for the sons of Aaron. Uh, the garments of Aaron's sons, they were nice, <laughs> but they were not compared to the beauty of the high priest garments that we saw. The regular priest had a lesser office than the high priest. Like there was an order. It doesn't mean someone was better than someone else. It just means they had different roles like today. We're each called to different things. Some people are doctors and believers. Some people are janitors and believers. But they're called to be used wherever they are, wherever they're at in life, wherever God called them to be. Um, and so the high priest's clothes speak of Jesus' glory and beauty, um, not man's. And here God laid out three important essentials to prepare his servants. Three essentials. Anointing, number one. Consecration, number two. And sanctification, 
Number three, anointing, consecration, and sanctification. And anoint means to apply sacred oil upon the head, right? You can look at that uh, in Psalm 133. It's a really cool picture there. And biblically, anointing represents filling and reliance upon the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oil in the scripture is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And then consecrate means filling of the open hand. And this means the priest was, uh, has what he needs to fulfill his ministry, to consecrate. Sanctify means to be clean or spiritual and moral separation of the priest from all defilement. And linen trousers, priests wore undergarments, so nakedness would not be exposed, right? That was important. It had to do with, uh, with purity and decency in worship as opposed to perverse pagan worship. They did all kinds of horrible perverted stuff, pagan worship. Trousers were made of cool linen, not warm wool. Why? Because God doesn't want his servants to, to sweat, and that's a picture of he doesn't want them to, to strive, which I thought was a really cool picture there. And lastly, I just want to uh, contrast, I found a commentator that I like, he, he said these things, I, I thought it was really a cool picture, is a contrast between Jesus' clothing when he accomplished his great priestly work and the garments of the high priest. So there's eight things. So number one, Jesus wore no beautiful ephod, only a purple robe for mocking. Jesus had no precious gems on his shoulders, only a cross that we deserved. Jesus had a, no breastplate with Israel on his heart, yet he died of a broken heart for Israel and all of mankind. Number four, as the high priest, Jesus had a seamless robe that was not torn, but it was stripped away at the cross. Number five, Jesus heard no delicate sound of bells proving that the high priest was alive, only the sound of pounding nails ensuring our high priest's death. Number six, Jesus wore no fine linen turban, rather a painful crown of thorns. Number seven, Jesus had no head plate reading holiness to the Lord, but a life and death showing nothing but holiness to the Lord. And number eight, Jesus had no linen trousers to hide his nakedness. Rather, he bore our sins on the cross in a naked shame. Pretty amazing parallel there, you guys, and uh, just powerful all, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Bible, it points to Jesus. I, I was listening to J. Vernon McGee. I, I don't know if you, you listened to him ever. He's an old-timer, just a preacher. And he's like, man, if, if we didn't see Jesus in the Old Testament, some of this stuff would be really boring. <laughs> but since Jesus is here, it's not. Because if, if you're bored with Jesus, then you're not serving the, G, the Jesus of the Bible, right? It's an exciting adventure being a believer. It's an amazing parallel that we see here with the, the garments here and with Jesus. So let's pray, and then we're going to um, get in a discussion. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for this time. We just thank you for the things that you ordained, that you ordered, Lord. You wanted the priest to be holy and to have hearts for you, Lord. And next week, even, we'll see that they were to take care of their own sin before they were ever to deal with the sin of the people, Lord. And so we just thank you, Lord, for how you just ordered all of this, Lord, how you ordained all all of it, God. And, and we get to look back, and we know the whole story, which is a beautiful thing, looking at the Old Testament, how it parallels to the New Testament, how it all speaks of the Messiah, how it all speaks of Jesus. And so we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. Uh, be with this discussion, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.